Does the current political banter sound like an old record to you? This is the True Disciples Podcast, where everything you know about Reformation is about to get a radical makeover in the power of the Holy Spirit. Your True Disciples host is Dr. Kevin Baird, Senior Pastor of Legacy Church in Charleston, South Carolina. And now, the True Disciples Podcast. Welcome back to the True Disciples Podcast for episode 19 of the Reformation Archive. We continue with our current series titled House Hunter. So let us begin with part two of To Do and Die. Now hear me when I say this, and I just want to remind us, because we are of a full gospel DNA. Many of us would use the word charismatic, Pentecostal. I don't think anyone should ever feel leveraged or coerced or forced to have to worship God in a certain way. But when was the last time you yourself challenged yourself by the Spirit of God to step out and worship Him in a way the Bible commands us to? Well, I don't like lifting my hands. <laughs> you know what I want to say to you? So what? It doesn't bother you at a Clemson game to do this. It doesn't bother you when, the, when they score and everybody puts their arms up in the air on the football field. But we have people that say, I'm just not comfortable at raising my hands. Well, what do you do with it when God says to lift your hands? The Bible says that we're to lift our hands. The Bible says when we lift our hands, we're literally blessing the Lord. How do you bless the Lord? If he says, I'm blessed when you lift your hands. And what do you do? You look at the Lord and say, well, just you can read my heart, Lord. I bless you. Do you think that flies? I don't know that it does. Now, no one's going to force you to do anything you don't want to do. But when was the last time you just challenged yourself that said, I'm a Christian, I walk according to God's word, the Lord asks of me certain things by which to worship, and maybe raising hands is one. I'm just asking, have you ever challenged yourself? I don't know who raises their hands and who doesn't. This is the fortunate thing about being on the front row. I am clueless as to what goes on behind me. None of you may have your hands up. All of you may have your hands up. I don't know. But I'm just telling you, according to God's word, that's what we do. And I think, I think sometimes you ought to just challenge yourself to do like this. And once you get it to there, maybe you can get it to there. And then maybe, you know, I don't know. Have you ever said amen? Because, because the Bible says that the assembly is to say amen. Now, I know you do usually when I say, let, you know, what does the assembly say? We all say amen and you all will do that. And I appreciate that. But that's a part of it. To shout, to sing. You know, the very word hallelujah is, is a conjunction of words. Halal means literally to be, be clamorous, to be loud, almost to exercise a foolishness. Yah is the conjunction of Yahweh, and you put them together, and it actually means to give God just this energetic expression of praise. That's what it means to worship and to honor the Lord. That's what he's looking for. You say, well, that's just not me. It's not about you, remember? You say, I don't feel like it. It's not about your feeling. He's looking for those who will worship in spirit and in truth. We worship out of our spirit. I don't feel like it. I'm hurting today. You don't know my week that I've been through. You know, I'm, I'm just, that's not my personality type. And listen, I was there for years. I had to, nobody forced me, nobody leveraged me, and no one will force or leverage you. People just taught me, and I was a teachable teachable person and that's the key is are you teachable 
And I was a teachable person. And I remember one time I was at a men's retreat, and this is back in the late 80s. And God, that was back in the days we did those silly Jewish dances. Some of you may remember if you were around this stuff in the late 80s. I'm glad that was a season that was just a season. But I remember the Lord dealt with me. Because I said to myself, I, I, got, I was lifting my hands, I, you know, I was doing a lot of this, but I don't know that I was ever going to do that. And I remember the Holy Spirit dealt with me. And he said, listen, man, you, you cannot put parameters around what you will do or not do. This isn't about you. See, we think we get to bring the American Constitution into this, into this uh, sanctuary. We think, we think that constitutionally we get to worship as we please. No, you don't. You don't get to worship as you please. Now, it's true in America. As an American, you can worship rocks and trees. You can worship your, your, your bank account. You can worship whatever you want to worship. But if you declare yourself to be of Yahweh's, if you declare yourself to be Christian, then you've thrown out, I worship as I please. I worship how he pleases. So the church, when it gathers, it's not gathering in order to scratch your itch or accommodate accommodate your reluctancies we're not here just to accommodate everybody's potential potential comfort factors if we did that if we had a really boisterous loud uh, exuberant praise session and somebody came in and they weren't saved they think we were nuts i don't know what they think because i ain't worshiping them worshiping him this is how he calls us to worship I'm always amazed at how a Muslim can roll his carpet out in the middle of an airport and block all traffic going both ways through the terminal and kneel on that thing and point toward Mecca and lift his hands and go to his nose and he doesn't give a flip what people think in that airport because he's convinced that that's what Allah demands of him. But we won't come into the house of God knowing what Yahweh asks of us and we're just saying that ain't going to happen with me. Now, no one hear me again. I ain't going to force you. If you don't want to do it, honestly, I don't care. You do what you want to do. I've learned that. I've done this 35 years. I've learned this much. People are going to do what people do. Nothing I say is going to change them. Most people don't even hear me when I'm even teaching them. So you do what you want to do. No one will leverage you. No one will coerce you. No one will make you feel bad. But when was the last time the Holy Spirit just really challenged you in this area? When was the last time you looked at it and said, man, I got to open myself up. I got to get there somehow. When was the last time you took a step? When was the last time in this area? This is our number one priority is to worship the Lord. We've lost this because this is no longer the number one priority. The number one priority in the, in the American church is to pr provide an entertainment venue that people who aren't even born again will come in and like it and stay. And, and, and I'm not saying they don't need to stay and maybe they'll hear the gospel. But this isn't why we gather. We gather to worship him. And out of the worship of him, he descends because the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of Israel. He inhabits the praises of his people. And here's the good news. When he inhabits the worship of his name, those that come in that don't know him will suddenly sense him. And the conviction will either draw them to their knees or probably make them run out and say that. I don't know what I was feeling there, but I don't like that. Well, that was God. But you got to feel that in order to get converted. You can't have them avoid that, that somehow we sneak it in on them. 
we're going to sneak salvation in on them. Maybe they won't even know it. We worship the Lord. We worship the Lord. Number two, and we minister. That's how you minister to the Lord. Number two, we raise up the saints. We raise up the saints. Number one is we revere the Lord. This is our number one priority. Number two is we raise up the saints. We equip, we edify, we disciple, we teach, we minister now to the believer. This is number one and number two. Acts 2.42 says this, and they continued steadfastly when they gathered together in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So this is what happens by way of raising up the saints. And the greatest challenge in the American church is to shift church back to passionately equipping for the mission from the current need to be simply entertained and appeased. It's great when you can laugh at church and maybe church for you is fun. I think church, going to church is fun. But, but, but our highest priority isn't to make church fun. It was meant to get you trained. It's just like going to boot camp. Maybe, maybe boot camp's fun. I don't know. I never went to a boot camp. My guess is it's not fun for those of you that are veterans. But it wasn't meant to be fun, it was get you trained. Why were you getting trained? Because we actually want you to win the war. I always chuckle because sometimes even parents will say, well, you know, my kids, they don't go to church because they don't think it's any fun. Well, church isn't fun. Church is, church is about training them in order to live their faith. It's vital. So it's to minister to the saints. i got to keep going. I'm giving you our top four. Then we reconcile. Number three, finally we get to. Now here's the problem in the American churches. We've, we've tried to make number three into number one. Now I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not saying that it's, it's not on the list. It's not our highest priority. And the reason it's not our highest priority is because we're not the one that's actually saving the sinner. The Lord, by his spirit, is saving those who are lost. Now, again, uh, John 20, 21, Jesus said to them, Peace be to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. So in other words, we're being sent as we're being equipped, as we're being trained, as all these things are taking place, then we're being sent into the field in order to begin the harvest. More Salvation should happen outside than inside. We have created, because of just our American culture, we've created this as the salvation station point. And it's really not. You should be the one who has the ability to be able to share your testimony, witness to people, and even if God was working on them, to look at them and say, would you like to open up your heart and receive the Lord? But, but again, that doesn't happen often because we're not trained to do it. Acts 1 says, John truly baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, when they came together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But what? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Look at that. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So as believers, we come together, as the Lord comes and endues us, we go forth and we become a part of that mission that takes place outside even of this gathering. Now, if people come and don't know the Lord, certainly we would hope that as they come to the gathering, 
that they would come and know the Lord. In fact, there are probably appropriate times to extend invitations. But, and you probably heard me share this story for years, years and years and years. I'd extend invitations and invitations, and, and people kind of like that. They like invitations, and I, I understand why. But you know what? After a while, I kept seeing the same 10 people respond to the invitation. And I don't know whether they were getting lost in between Sundays or what was going on. But after a while, I began to understand that what we, were, what we were offering was not conversion and transformation, but it was catharsis, which was simply was, I'm going to walk forward, and maybe I'll cry, or maybe I won't. But it's, it's, it's cathartic. It, it, it becomes just sort of a, a, a moment where I can just sort of emotionally take a big, deep breath, and, and there was no transformation. And it's because, it's because of our ecclesiology. It's because we're convinced that if I, the pastor can move someone's emotion, that out of that movement of emotion, they'll be transformed. And that's not so. Your emotion will not transform you. The Holy Spirit will transform you. And that's why we must pray. See, that's why it's not just making the right key changes and singing the right songs. And I mean, there, there can be preferences, and I, I, I like a good song as much as anyone, and I want to be contemporary, and we will sing contemporary songs. But hear me when I say this, that it's, it's, the, it's the prayer, it's the intercession, it's the believing God, it's him moving upon the hearts of people that draws the lost or the unsaved to the place of conversion. They are reached as a result of the gathering. All right? So we're not here to try to make church fun for them. We're here to try to point them to the living God. And then finally, and, and, and I believe this to be true, number four, our fourth priority is to reform the culture. Now, people will argue with me on this point, but I want to read to you a passage which has plagued me all my life, and it's this. Colossians 1, 16 through 18 it says, for by him, meaning Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Okay, can we stop there and just simply say that means everything's his. Spiritual or natural? Both. Visible, invisible. Whether thrones or dominions. Principalities or powers. And again, in that context, it means both earthly and heavenly. All things were created through him and what? Everything was created that you see around you was meant for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. In other words, if Jesus isn't being Lord of it, it will never function properly. Any of you watch the Kavanaugh hearings? It's dysfunctional, isn't it? Absolutely. We are living in the twilight zone. You know why? It's because Jesus is nowhere to be seen in this stuff. And if he's not in it, then it will not be upheld. I'm just telling you, that's why we need revival. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, all things, everyone say that, all things he may have what? All things. Listen to this, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. He didn't say all people, did he? Now, it includes that, but he said, reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. I think that is the greatest reformation 
passage in the Bible because what it says is this. The church, as a militant force, is commissioned to go into every arena of life and cast darkness out, cast the devil out, and begin to see that area redeemed and conquered for the kingdom of God. Which means no matter where you work, no matter what your job is, no matter what your business is, no matter where you are at, no matter what's going on, you are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And as you step into that arena, you're not just in that arena to get your paycheck so that you can pay your bills and, and this is all valid, but it's not just for these purposes, but you are an ambassador of another kingdom and you're going into that realm in, in as much as you are able and to begin through Christ's name to conquer that thing for his cause and his name. We think, we think all of that is, is compartmentalized somewhere out of our realm of any influence. I don't care what you're doing. We are, we are moving in order to conquer in that arena. And that is the churches, the churches, really it's an honor for the church to do this. This is an honor. I believe the last, what Psalm 149 says, that when we bind the kings with fetters and chains, and when we chase the enemy, I believe it's Psalm 149 says, and this is an honor for his holy ones. This is an honor for the church. We have been honored by Christ himself to take his power and to step into the earth and to conquer those areas in his name. It may not be conquered in a day. It may not be in a week, a month, a year, a decade. It may not be in my lifetime, but it's an honor for me to be able to step into darkness and kick the enemy's tail and enforce the power of the cross. That's what the church is all about. That's what you do when we say the final amen. You walk out of here like we were just in a locker room at halftime and the coach just gave you this rousing pep talk because you looked at the scoreboard and it appears as if you're behind. But the coach just gave you this rousing pep talk at halftime and you're all in there and you're listening to this pep talk and he looks at you and he says, you went through two-a-days. You, you practiced in 100 degree heat. You laid it all out on the field. You gave your bodies up. Some of you have bruises. Some of you have bloody noses. Some of you are hurting at this very moment. But I'm telling you that you have the stuff to win this game. We need to rise up out of this locker room and go in because we have the honor to be on the field to see the victory. Amen. Amen. I worship God. That's the church. That's who we are. That's our nature. I don't know how it's going to apply to everyone, but that's, that's the Holy Spirit's job in you. It's for you to now say, okay, so how do, how do I go in and I conquer? How do I go in? Sure, it starts with your integrity. It starts with your character. It starts with your, your own personal righteousness, your own standards. Sure, it starts there, but then it influences there. It's like Joseph of old when he goes through the prison. Uh, well, he goes through the pit in Potiphar's house in the prison, and then he finally gets into Potiphar's, or excuse me, a Pharaoh's house. And all of a sudden, he's influencing all of Egypt for, for the cause of the kingdom. We don't think that way anymore. And we've got to begin to think that way 
again. That's what we're to do. I'm just going to stop with that. I don't know that I can... I wasn't prepared for that little blast at the end there. But, but I think that's a good place to wrap. Thank you again for tuning in to the True Disciples podcast. Please be sure to subscribe for future updates and to catch up on past episodes. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn. You can also reach out to us with questions or feedback at truedisciplespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, between now and next time, we encourage you to go out and make his name great.